the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Together for Good, brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. Together for Good exists to recognize and uplift the many people working together for the good of San Antonio and the surrounding communities. Now here's the host of Together for Good, Cody Knowlton. Well, hello, and welcome back to Together for Good. This show is being brought to you by the Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio as a part of our mission to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Baptist heritage by encouraging and funding health-related programs at area nonprofits and churches. Through Together for Good, we connect our audience to the great work these organizations do in our community. Well, today, folks, we are excited to dig a little deeper into what we see as a vital and fascinating intersection between academia, the community, and medical innovation. And that intersection is the research university. Research universities can vary by institution, but most are tasked with several important responsibilities that layer together, such as providing health care to the community, specializing in specific areas of medical research, and educating future health care providers and researchers. In San Antonio, we're honored to have a research institution that does all of those things, and they do it very, very well. So I'm honored uh, and just thrilled to have in studio today Dr. Bill Henrich. Uh, Dr. Henrich is the uh, UT Health San Antonio CEO, and he's been with UT Health for over 17 years, uh, serving as president for 14 years. His medical background is uh, kidney disease. That is his specialty. Uh, and he has authored over 300 papers and chapters. So, Dr. Henrich, so grateful to have you here today, my friend, and uh, good to see you and good to hear from you on everything that's going on at UT Health these days. Thanks, Cody. It's good to be with you. and. I appreciate very much the invitation to talk to you and your listeners and uh, want to thank you for putting on this show and thank Baptist Health Foundation for all it does for the community. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Dr. Henrich, can you give us an idea of the more serious public health concerns in San Antonio? Well, everything that afflicts large populations of people has found a home in San Antonio. We have a large population in our catchment area that is about the population of Minnesota, five to seven million people divided between urban and rural settings. And it's scattered over a large geographic area, 38 county area about the size of Pennsylvania. So no matter what disease you're talking about or no matter what public health problem you're talking about, it's true that those problems are in our area, in our catchment area, and UT Health is devoted to trying to address them. And off the top of my head, I'd mention just a couple to you, and we can take them deeper if you want. One of them is uh, the neurodementia problem, which is 40 to 50 percent more common in Hispanics. And that's a problem for the United States, big problem for our area, cancer, metabolic disease, diabetes, obesity and then heart disease. Mm -hmm. So we have all of these issues to deal with, and UT Health and its various programs is trying to 
reach out and touch more people, get more clinical research going, trying to do something to bend the curve and try to reduce the prevalence of these diseases. Yeah, yeah. What role does an institution like UT Health serve in a large metropolitan area? You know, Cody, our major difference between what we do and what the large community hospitals do is we carry the missions of research and education as core to our work so that while we do an enormous amount of clinical work, we try to embed our education mission and our clinical research and basic research mission in with that clinical work. So everybody who is seen is seeing somebody who is likely connected at UT Health to uh, projects that are designed to be on the leading edge of discovery so we can make tomorrow better than today. And I think that's the biggest difference between us and others who are in the healthcare servicing industry at least in San Antonio. Uh, I think it's a vital service for San Antonians to have access to an academic medical center like ours. And uh, I think that these additional missions enhance the care that we're able to provide. Mm -hmm. Since we're going to kind of dive into this a little bit later, can you give us kind of a, a quick description of what biomedical research encompasses? I'll try. Uh, what our listeners should realize is that if you stopped all research today, if you didn't do any more research, then what we would have tomorrow is everything that we know about biology and science today. We'd have no more. And we know that that's not good enough. We know that we want to defeat diseases that are the most vexing diseases, like we need to make a breakthrough in neurodementia. We need a breakthrough in many of the most vexing and horrible cancers that are there. And so you can't be satisfied with what we have today. We've made enormous progress. But it's not enough to uh, draw a line under it and say that's good enough. So the answer to the question that you posed is that what biomedical research does is it keeps asking questions about the basic biology of disease. And in answering those questions, you get insight into what a target would be to treat the disease. Mm. And that leads, in turn, to a drug or a therapy or an advance, which then either mitigates the disease itself or, in some cases, like cancers today, cures it. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason it's so essential. If you stopped all research today, there'd be nothing more than what we already have. And that just isn't going to be sufficient for what our population needs. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a big industry in San Antonio. And so how how do we compare to other cities with the level of biomedical research we're doing here? I think we compare favorably. It is probably known to you that uh, a couple of years ago, the uh, CEO of uh, Southwest Research, the president of UT San Antonio, and then the president, executive director of Texas Biomed, um, got together with us at UT Health, and we decided to aggregate our efforts in science and making certain that everybody knew that San Antonio is a city of, of science, of deep research. If you aggregate the collective research of UT Health and those three other institutions that I mentioned in our partnerships with them, I mean, Cody, it's, it's well over a billion dollars of mm -hmm. research. Mm -hmm. 
Now, it's not all the same kind of research. I mean, it varies greatly in the domain of what's being studied. But it's uh, certainly credible to say that it is scientific and it's uh, a lot of it's hypothesis-driven and a lot of it's unique. Uh, and I'm very pleased that we have these consortiums formed here and we're forming others. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can mention one other thing, there's a recent announcement that San Antonio is part of an I-35 hub that stretches from here to Dallas to compete to – Uh, be the hosting hub for a uh, new initiative from the federal government called ARPA-H, ARPA Health. $2.5 billion is going to be headquartered in this hub, and San Antonio is pivotal. San Antonio is pivotal for this hub to be successful. It'll be across three cities, Austin, Dallas, and San Antonio, and then we've also invited Houston to be part of it, too. So uh, efforts like these are critical to make certain that San Antonio remains a city of science and that we continue to get our flag in the air to attract more scientists and more STEM industries here. Hmm. Dr. Henrich, can you describe UT Health's approach of bench to bedside? What does that mean, yeah. bench to bedside? <laughs> uh, well, the, the idea here is, by the way, it's, it's bi-directional, Cody. Mm-hmm. So it's bedside to bench and bench to bedside. So yeah. if you see a fundamental problem in a patient, You can start working back toward the basic biology of it and in so doing, get insight into what causes it. And there have been lots of circumstances where that kind of direction has yielded enormous progress in research. At the bench, what's studied through a variety of very, very sophisticated techniques is the basic working of the normal versus the deranged or abnormal cell. That's true in cancer. It's true in other diseases like aging. It's true in diseases of the brain. And once a fundamental understanding of how the normal differs from the abnormal, then you can identify targets that uh, you can approach to see if changing the biology in that target changes the outcome of the disease. Do that first in small animals, small investigation animals, and then move up the chain until you can do it in primates and then test drugs in humans. One strength San Antonio has at UT Health is a very sophisticated drug development pipeline. Mm. That's really, really important. You need so many steps along the way. And uh, that pipeline now has six to eight drugs being tested in humans Mm. that were developed in San Antonio, where the target was developed here, the formulations were developed here. So partnership with Southwest Research, UTSA, and others have led to this progress. So that's what bench to bedside means. It means Mm -hmm. that you identify the biology, you get a target, you take it to animal investigation, and you move up the chain until you have a therapeutic you can offer somebody. And that's how these diseases, that's how they're licked. Mm -hmm. That's That's how they're beaten. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been quoted as saying that Alzheimer's is a tsunami uh, that will overwhelm the healthcare system and families uh, in the future. I dare say that's probably happening now. (laughs) And that UT Health's Biggs Institute is working hard to find a cure. Uh, Can you give us an update about how Biggs is doing and progress that's being made on that front? Yes, let me try. Uh, So what I said about the tsunami part of it is is still true. Um, We're at the leading edge of the baby boomers being in the age group where uh, neurodementia begins to raise its ugly head. And so 
this has been predicted for a long time, and, and it's, it's coming, unfortunately, to pass that that's the case. And now there are some drugs available which seem to bend the curve a little bit, to flatten out the curve. In early Alzheimer's disease, not in late or middle-stage Alzheimer's disease, but in early Alzheimer's disease, and other drugs now being tested, there are hundreds of trials mm-hmm. ongoing to try and find something that will flatten the curve out so that people don't deteriorate as much. And in San Antonio, the Biggs Institute is the only comprehensive Alzheimer's disease research center in Texas under the direction of Dr. Suda Sashadri and her ABLE colleagues. Uh, They are very successful in rolling patients in trials. I don't have the exact number of trials, but I want to say at least 30 or 40 new trials are here that uh, people can get enrolled in. By the way, I encourage, Cody, mm. anybody listening to me who wants to do something really innovative and I think really interesting is consider being in a clinical trial. Sure. Getting evaluated, mm. getting tested, and if you qualify, saying yes. I've done that for myself. I've, mm. I've been in a clinical trial when I had myelodysplasia. And I, I encourage everybody to to sign up because it always makes you feel good that you're not only doing something for yourself, you're doing for the people who come after you Mm -hmm. because it adds to the body of scientific knowledge. So the Biggs is involved in clinical trials. It's involved in comprehensive care through its highly sophisticated staff and faculty. And I encourage everybody, everybody to get tested if they have a problem. One more thing about Alzheimer's disease, the reason Mm -hmm. it's a tsunami, it's not just the person in the family who gets Alzheimer's yep, disease. It's, that's right. It's the family. Yep. It's everybody in the family who suffers from watching their loved one struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And then what it does to the dynamics of a family and the finances of a family mm-hmm. and how it uh, is so harmful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it takes, truly, it takes the whole family. It takes a village to lift people up who are struggling with this. So it is a tsunami. Uh, but there is hope on the way, and Dr. Shashadri and her colleagues are at the very leading edge of doing something about it. Mm, so grateful for what y'all are doing there. Listeners, if you're just now joining us, I'm Cody Knowlton, host of the Together for Good broadcast, and uh, this is being brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. I'm here with Dr. Bill Henrich from UT Health San Antonio, and Dr. Henrich has been sharing with me about uh, the function and importance of research universities in a community, and uh, we're just having a, a great dialogue, so let's let's keep it going before we run out of time here. Um, Dr. Henrich, what are some of the educational offerings currently available at UT Health? So on the campus, we have now six professional schools, uh, the medical school, the nursing school, the dental school, the School of Health Professions, the graduate school, which trains Ph.D. and master's level scientists, and a new school, the School of Public Health. And all told, we have 3,700 students on the campus enrolled in those six professional schools, become a destination of choice for able students who uh, are seeking superb educations in those domains. We have over 2,000 faculty on the campus, and any one day on our campus, we have between 11 and 12,000 people. And I'm very proud of the progress the schools have made. I have to say, by any metric that you use to judge their success, they are very successful. They're led by deeply talented deans and faculties and um, 
the complexity of the organizations they have to leave is on the verge of mind-boggling, but I have to say they do a superb job. Mm-hmm. The students are well-prepared, and if you just use the end-stage outcome of how do they do when they graduate, and they get superb jobs, superb appointments, their careers thrive, and we are enormously proud of them. In addition to those students, Cody, we have 1,100 young doctors and others in training who are in fellowships. Mm -hmm. So they're taking fellowships. Some are doing internships and residencies and a variety of all the medical subspecialties. And uh, so we're training all of those people through our affiliated hospitals. Mm -hmm. So if you added everything together in the aggregate, it would be – um, somewhere in the in north of 4,500, 4,700 learners mm. in these sophisticated domains. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud of the faculty that train them. I'm incredibly proud of their progress. And so um, a big lift, like I said at the beginning, a big mm. lift for what we're doing is education. Mm. Tell us about the students. Where do they come from? Where do they go after graduating? Uh, tell us a little bit about, about your student body. Well, they – they go all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one area you're probably most familiar with, or many of your listeners will have heard about, is something called the the match system for young physicians. So when they graduate from medical school, you get a diploma that says you're a doctor of medicine, but you don't get a license to practice. And to get a license to practice, you have to do an approved, accredited residency in something. Mm-hmm. So you have to do post-graduation training and that's when you're an intern and resident. And the students in the medical school do very well in their placements. They, uh, they go all over the country from the West Coast to the East Coast and every place in between. I'm happy to say that about half of them stay in Texas and about a quarter of them stay in San Antonio. Oh, good. That's important because yeah. if they stay here, they're likely to stay here. Mm-hmm. And that lifts our workforce up. Mm-hmm. The nursing students do very well. They all are offered jobs. Mm-hmm. Dental Needs are – the demand signal for dentists is quite high, and so they do well. Frankly, every one of the health professions and scientific positions that we graduate students in uh, has a big demand. And so uh, uh, they go all over and uh, take all sorts of jobs. With the population of Texas and certainly San Antonio projected to grow exponentially in the coming years, uh, what impact? will that growth have on UT Health and its education and service to our community? That's a smart question because um, I have to say that what keeps me up at night a lot of nights is just dealing with the growth that we need in infrastructure to meet the demand that you're speaking about. You're right about the fastest growing big city in the country, and that's true for San Antonio. Uh, We project this year we'll have 2.8 million patient visits. That's almost five times what it was when I started as the dean here. Hmm. It's just grown and grown and grown and grown. But, you know, the, the keeping the infrastructure at pace with the growth has been the biggest single headache hmm. that we've had. So we're growing our facilities. Hmm. We have a new multi-specialty and research hospital that's going to be open the end of next year. We have a new brain health building to, house the comprehensive needs we have in neurodementia and neurology. We have a new science building that will go up starting next year. And uh, we have new outpatient facilities all over the city. So 
we're like everybody else. We're trying to meet the demand. Mm. And I have to say we're pedaling the bicycle as fast as we can. <laughs> but I feel, I, feel like, I feel like we're going in slow motion sometimes and people are passing us. But suffice it to say we're devoting every, every bit of our resources to mm. trying to increase our offerings so that we meet what we were created to do, which is to serve the public good. Mm-hmm. That's why we are here, and that's, that's what we endeavor to do. Mm. Well, I know that you guys are working on a new School of Public Health. Can you tell us more about that? You mentioned it a little earlier, but I wanted you to talk more about it because I know it's exciting for you. It is exciting, and uh, I guess the first thing to try and – this will be hard on radio without using your hands – to try and explain what public health is. It's not, it's not health care. Mm-hmm. It turns out the big decider of public health, Cody, is policy. It's health mm-hmm. policy. It's making decisions that you make vaccinations available mm-hmm. or that you uh, make drugs available or that you provide insurance programs that allow people to get to care. Those mm-hmm. public policy decisions are what drive a substantial portion of elements that affect public health. The other big driver of public health is the level of poverty in a community. Mm. If you look at where the highest prevalence of diabetes and other diseases like that are in San Antonio, they track very well with the areas which are socioeconomically underserved in our city. Mm. So public health is designed to target those problems and then provide workable solutions that inform the best policy so we can change the course that we otherwise would be on. Mm -hmm. So public health isn't putting a stethoscope on someone's chest or looking in somebody's eyes. Public health is getting the macroeconomics, the macro policy in place, Mm -hmm. using informed science as a citing agent to get us to the right decisions. That's what public health does. We're very excited to have Dr. Vasan Ramachandran as the new dean of the School of Public Health. He's a brilliant epidemiologist, and he's gotten us off to a terrific start. He's recruited outstanding leadership for the school. We're taking applications. We're going to – anybody who's listening to this who's got an interest in public health and making one of these uh, impacts should uh, stay tuned and get on the website and talk to Vasan about this because – it's an exciting moment to have this here. We're doing this in collaboration, before I forget, mm. with UTSA. Yep. Uh, my partner is Taylor Amy in this effort. And they have pipeline programs at UTSA that will feed right into this, uh, into this degree program in the School of Public Health. So it's fair to say that public health is focused more on the upstream than the downstream. Well, yeah, prevention. Mm-hmm. And what you know, you've heard that to? saying, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. And, and, and it's... Absolutely true. We need to do that. And public health, public health can do that. Public Mm -hmm. health, if we get it targeted right, can make inroads that otherwise we wouldn't be able to make. Yep. Got time for one more question. Um, Can you educate our listeners about how professors at UT Health are also in clinic seeing patients and how that impacts both the patient and the student? Yes, uh, I'll try. Uh, Briefly, professors are the senior rank in an academic progression, and so they're the individuals who have typically 
uh, a research interest. So they, whether it's clinical or basic, they bring that expertise to the bedside. And they also bring it to the learners who aggregate around them uh, and are taught by them because they have really deep insights into a subject area. If you're an investigator in an area, you have at your fingertips all of the available nuance in an area, and it allows you to give patients the best decisions. It also allows you to inform students about what the trade-offs are for choosing plan A, plan B, plan C. And uh, so these are experienced individuals who can impart the best clinical care to the patient and their family, but also to the learner so that they pick up quickly what the best way to do something is, the best approach to something is. Mm-hmm. Dr. Enrich, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I get the feeling we could have talked a little longer, and I had a feeling that might be the case. (laughs) But um, we'll wrap up for today, and uh, I'd love to say a a word of prayer for you and for your institution. Uh, Just so grateful for your leadership, uh, your love of medicine, your love of people, your love of this community, and it's made a difference in your decades of service. So let me say a word of thanks for you. Thank you, Cody. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for Bill Henrich, my friend, who is doing just tremendous work in this community leading UT Health. And we pray for him, his leadership, uh, his family, and his health as he goes forward. And Lord, we pray for UT Health, this tremendous organization that's doing so much good in our community. And we're just praying that you continue to uh, sustain and and lift up and encourage this fine place as it educates tomorrow's healthcare leaders. Uh, Pray for the faculty, pray for the students, uh, pray for all that's going on. And we pray lastly for the patients, uh, for those who are uh, receiving treatment. We just lift them up and uh, Um, put them in your hands. Uh, Thank you for the day. Thank you for our talk today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, we'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged by the work being done at UT Health San Antonio. And let me give you that website if you want to write this down and reach out to them on any number of fronts uh, that might impact you. And that website is uthscsa.edu. So that stands for UT Health Science Center S.A. Again, you can always catch our episodes anywhere you get your podcast or by visiting Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio's website, bhfsa.org slash together for good. We'll be back next week, everybody, for another great conversation about health matters in our community. God bless and take care. Thank you for tuning in today for Together for Good. We hope you've been encouraged, uplifted, and inspired. Until our next time together, may the Lord bless and keep you. And in all things, to God be the glory. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.